his whole thing in the film is whenever he kind of exerts his powers, his eyes start to bleed. My eyes were bleeding too, Zach, watching this. I'll tell you what, son. <laughs> they really were. They really were. I was like, I feel for you, mate. I feel for you. Hello and welcome to the Dan and Joe Film Show, episode 62. This is our mid-year review special. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you've had a good first six months of 2022. As always, there's no one else I can think of that would be better to join me on a mid-year special. We're midway, but he's someone that I go all the way with. It's Joe Richards. (laughs) (laughs) We do go all the way, baby. We do. I mean, we... We go all the way to, was it, fourth base? What's that? I don't remember. Um, fourth base. I, I mean, I'm not American, so I, I don't know. And maybe all no. our American listeners can write in on a postcard yeah. and let us know each base, break it down base by base. Yeah. I would assume that would be oral. Oh, Joe! <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, cuddles? <laughs> Well, I I think it's cut off. I think I think first ba- I think first base is looking at each other. Yeah. I, I think second base is holding hands. Yeah. I think third base would be like a side hug. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So not not full body contact. Then fourth base would be cuddles. Fifth base would be a little little kissy. Yeah. Um, and, and then it's all downhill from there. And then, well, and then basically we, you're just a sinner. We just move at different speeds, Dan. Yeah. That, that's all, right. all I can say. Like, <laughs> first, first, first base, get your tongue in me. <laughs> well, you know, I, uh, what can I say? You know, it's yeah. to each their own. To each their own. There's Absolutely. no judgment. You There's only live no once. Judgment. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, if you want to kiss on a first date, you can't, you know, no judgment. I, I'm a firm yeah. believer in that. If you want to go with it, go with it. Go with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. It, feel, if it feels good, do it. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Life That's... is too short. Yeah. Oh my goodness. We are, we are, we are such good role models, aren't we? I know. Same we're off to a cracking start with the show. I must start. say. We are. Or all has already been mentioned. Oh gosh. Uh, I mean, I know. No, normally, we, we hold that to the end of the year, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we do. We wait for the um, for, for the Christmas special for that one after a yeah, few uh, yeah. All of about... <laughs> Yeah, a hot cocoa and a bit of oral, there we are. So anyway, thank you uh, thank you for joining me, Joe. How have you been? It's been quite a while since our last show where we uh, interviewed Rob Savage. Um, mm. happy, to, happy to note he wasn't savage, he was lovely. But um, how have you been? How, how's life going for you? Yeah, good. We've had a little bit of a break, I guess. You know, as Jeff Goldblum says, life finds a way. And mm. in our instance, you know, in our case, recently, life finds a way to get in the way a little mm. bit. Our schedules are so busy, you know, we're so jam-packed with everything that's going on in our life that it, we have ended up having to take a, a little bit of a break, but that's been good. Rejuvenated, fresh, ready to go. Got a lot to look forward to coming up. I've got a trip away on Friday. We're going to go to Disneyland. Oh, lovely. And, and then Hannah and I are going on to Croatia. Um, whilst we're in Paris, we figured, why not? It's £25 of flight from Paris to Croatia. I mean, I, I've spent Jeez. more getting from Cardiff to, you know, Bridgend on a train. Yeah, uh, I, I was 
I was going to say I would not trust that airline. <laughs> It'd be like halfway through, <laughs> right, guys, we're going down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we are we have got seats on the wing, but I'm sure okay. that'll be fine. I'm sure I'll be fine. But um, how have you been? How's things your side? It's been very good. Um, so I'm not sure whether the last show I, I've told our listeners, but I've got a new job in September. Um, I moved to a different school. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm teaching um, my the subjects that I have a degree in, which is always helpful, isn't it? I mean, it's always great if you do that. <laughs> when you, <laughs> when you know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, it does help. It does help. Yeah, so teaching drama and media. And, and what's great about the media course is that I do get to talk about film a lot. And, you know, watch out, because there's going to be a few old episodes of this popped in there. <laughs> like, right, guys, so even though it's not on the course syllabus, let's go to podcasting now, okay? Let's have a little listen to this. What do we think? And all the kids yeah. are going to be like, oh, that's, that's bollocks, that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, listen to Joe's review, and let's all dis- discuss how wrong he was about yes. this certain film and about Absolutely. his thoughts on filmmaking in general. Yeah, I can, I can yeah. certainly imagine. Yeah, excited, starting in September. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's going to be a few more weeks now, summer holidays. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Well, well done. A very big congratulations, Dan. Thank you very much. I'm glad to see that your progression into Mr. G is getting closer and closer by the day. I cannot wait. I I didn't think I would get there. I I really feel like it's a real possibility now that I'm going to be pink shirt, (laughs) sat by a piano, welcome Mr. J's room, J's room, as they all (laughs) enter. Um, And and what's great about the schools, they they have into their practical work. They really love, like, (laughs) dancing, choreography. Like, (laughs) I am going to be Mr. G by by the end of this year, and I'm going to move to Australia. um, Yeah, live my dream. Slap the butcher. Brilliant. Slap the butcher, yeah. I mean, if, if, if the shoe fits, if it's okay with the head, I'm going to do it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm really excited. But what's even more exciting than all that, I absolutely love this show. I think I kind of prefer it to the end of your show because, you know, we're in that middle point now of 2022 where, you know, we, we, we've seen a, a lot of films as we always do. And what's been so exciting about this year is that, you know, cinemas have been open the whole year, which is always great. <laughs> that always helps when doing yeah. a film show. Yeah, 100%. it really does help. I mean, you think, you know, a year ago, we had obviously the first like four or five months of 2021, the cinemas were closed. So we, we didn't really have a, a lot to talk about. It was a lot of <laughs> streaming films, but mm. this year's been great. And I feel like cinema's in a really good position. It's been a really exciting year so far and it's only going to get better. But h- how would you describe the last six months, Joe, of 2022? Has there been any highlights for you, any disappointments? Well, I think you're absolutely right. I think that the key thing here is, you know, it can be summed up in three words. Cinema is back. And I think that is has just been amazing to see, you know, that, that we've sort of hit the ground running from, from January onwards. Even like from Scream, you know, we saw that in a packed out crowd. And from there onwards, you know, we've had sort of hit after hit, you know, great to hear in, in the news and everything like that, that cinema is thriving, that, you know, you've got films like Top Gun Maverick. Um, which has crossed the the billion mark. You've got films like The Batman, which was just such a massive success. And it's great to see that people are still going out for that cinematic experience, because I think when COVID hit and, and, you know, streaming suddenly became, uh, you know, the golden child, and that was the, the next best thing, you know, next big thing with trolls going on streaming. There's no denying that that will forever have an impact, you know, and it's crazy that you 
the, the turnaround on these films now going from cinemas to TV screens is incredible. I mean, Doctor Strange 2 already on streaming. But I think what we've always championed in particular on this show is that cinematic experience. And we sort of always said that that will never go away. And it's clear to see from the last six months that we were absolutely right, that people will still pick that cinematic experience over, uh, you know, watching it at home on their TV. So I think that's sort of been the best thing about the last six months. We've had plenty to talk about. You've had these big budget releases. You've had the varied releases, uh, you know, on the, on the big screen coming and going. And I just think it's wonderful to see that we're sort of back to normal in that sense. But what, what, what are your general thoughts on the last six months? Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, it's always good when we're, we're right about something. <laughs> I'm never right about anything. I never write at all. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I think you know, when we look back a year ago, or even before then, it was kind of scary. I mean, even when mm. last year cinemas did reopen, we were like, oh, are we going to go back into another lockdown again? And I, and I know there were lots of reports and there, was, there were articles online saying that, you know, a cinema is going to survive this period. Um, a distributor's are going to want to come back to the cinema. And I will just say, I think the, the reason we are at this stage is down to a handful of films over the last two years who have really supported um, cinemas and, you know, the, 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 you know, the theatrical experience. They've never, you know, gone past that. They've never just thought, well, well I'll sell it to a streaming service because it makes me money. Um, I'm going to put it on PVOD because it's, it benefits us better. Films like, and I'm going to say, I think Tenet, I think, the, you know, the way that came out that year, when looking back, I would not have released a film mm-hmm. at that time. Um, you know, with everything going on, but Christopher Nolan was like, no, I'm going to release it, even though it didn't do amazing. I think for the time of that particular period, I think it did incredibly well. I think Bond, No Time to Die, it was a massive um, saving grace to cinemas. A Quiet Place Part 2, that was one of the first films last mm-hmm. year after the lockdown that came out. Also, especially this year, you've got films like Top Gun Maverick. You know, there's, there've been so many, I think, this year that have some have surpassed a billion, um, some are very, very close, and it's great to see. And, and I saw a tweet the other day, someone saying that, you know, it, it's not just we're back to normal. In some cases, actually, some of these box office numbers are better than like 2017, 2018, which is really strange to see. And I think what we're going to see going forward is that I think we're going to see less films in cinemas. And that's apparent, I think, this year. Um, you know, long, longer the days where we'd go on a Friday night and we'd have like a choice of four films every Friday to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't think that's going to happen again. I really don't. Or if, if it does happen, it'll be very rare. I think what we're going to have is bigger budget blockbuster films, one release every week or two. And they're going to be films that, you know, studios know are going to do well in the box office. You know, they're going to return their money because now or never, I think studios are thinking financially, right, we need to make our money back. Um, and that's absolutely fair. And, and I think it is sad on smaller films like indie films and Sundance films more artistic, um, smaller projects. And I still want them to be given the opportunity, but I also understand that it is a business as well. And I think studios aren't going to take the risk anymore of putting their films into cinemas if they're not going to profit. So yeah, um, I think it's exciting. I think, you know, the landscape is changed. Like I said, I think we're going to see less films being released in cinemas, but yeah, it's just, it's great to be back. And like you said, long may it continue. Absolutely. Long live cinema. Long live cinema, baby. Right, okay, let's move on now to our picks. So um, this year we've done things slightly similar, slightly different. So Joe and I have each chosen our favourite film of the year so far, so our best. 
um, our least favourite film of the year so far, our worst, as per usual. We've also added another category this year, which is I like to call Dan and Joe's Hidden Gem. So it's a, a film that we find, uh, we found ourselves to be um, underappreciated, underrated. It could be a film that maybe we love that wasn't maybe received very well by critics and audiences. It could be a film that maybe it's underperformed at the box office that we felt like could have done better. So yeah, that's exciting to talk about. But shall we kick it off, Joe, with our worst of the year? Um, and would you like to take it away with your worst of 2022 so yes, far? Yes, absolutely. Let's start with the worst. Get them out of the way. Just get it done. Get it Get it done. And get it done. Get them in the garbage bin. <laughs> <laughs> take it um, out of the trash. <laughs> take it out of the trash, baby. Um, so my worst film of the year so far is The Nan Movie. Uh, oh. uh, from, from, from Catherine Tate and uh, team. It was a close call between this and a film on Netflix, which also is just absolutely dreadful, called Royal Treatment. Um, Ooh, and yeah. that, that, that's just shocking. But at least with the Royal Treatment, they were, there was, it was so bad that there was stuff to laugh at in it. In the Nan movie, a film which is supposed to be a comedy, um, there's nothing to laugh about in it at all. So this is the big screen outing of Catherine Tate's uh, famous foul-mouthed Nan character um, from her sketch show, originally aired back in 2004, so like 20 years ago, nearly. And the film follows her adventures with her grandson, Jamie, played by Matthew Horne, as she travels to Ireland to reunite with her long-lost sister, uh, meeting uh, leery rugby players and environmental terrorists along the way. Here's a clip. My name is Nan. Yeah. From London Town. What? Nan? Why do you never talk about Auntie Nell? I could take you, you know. What do you want to go and see her for? Because she's dying. Good. Nan. Will you ever tell me what happened with Auntie Nell? Let's have a proper dance. What are you thinking about, Nan? I'm done. This don't look like Coventry. Everyone's orange. It's Liverpool, Nan. Okay, there's a clip there from the Nan movie. First of all, the fact that we are now getting a Nan movie after all these years, okay, considering, you know, at her peak, you know, was, as I said, about 2004, so nearly 20 years ago just feels absolutely ridiculous. Like, it feels very strange and peculiar. Um, and the fact that it sort of came from nowhere as well. I think one day, you know, I was just, like, walking through the cinema and saw a billboard for it. I don't think I saw any trailers for it. And then it was sort of released, like, the following week was just really strange. So going into it, I had my reservations. I had my concerns. But I went in with an open mind. Um, having endured the film now, I can absolutely see why there wasn't a, a great deal of publicity uh, surrounding it, because it is a total misfire. It does feel like a product of its time. It feels like it was written back in 2004, and like uh, Catherine Tate and her team have like been trying to get it made for nearly 20 years and like constantly harassing the BBC. And maybe the BBC were a little bit bored over lockdown or something, and we're like, all right, Catherine, stop harassing us. We'll we'll, we'll make it <laughs> finally. Okay, stop, let's stop the email. Stop yeah, the post. Yeah. I don't know if they were bored or whatever, but it feels so weird that this film is has been released now. The soundtrack 
is uh, of of the mid noughties You've got, um, you know, the special effects, even if you can call them special effects. I mean, there's all these sequences where, you know, they're, they're traveling and it's all these, these paper cut out mouths and faces and stuff like that. And like boggly eyes. It looks like a, a like a, a year seven has, has been brought in to do the special effects on this film. They're so like ridiculously awful. But I think the outdatedness of it all is sort of, like most apparent in that final sequence. There's a twist at the end, um, sort of like the punchline of the movie, which comes from nowhere, involves someone who's trans, I guess. I mean, the film doesn't really establish it. And it just feels like it left a bad taste in my mouth. I won't spoil it for those who are going to go and watch it after this glowing review, but it just left a bad taste in my mouth. And I thought like, are we really making, you know, trans people, uh, you know, the butt of the joke still, even, you know, in, in this day and age, uh, maybe it would have been acceptable back in 2004. I don't know um, so much now. So yeah, I just didn't laugh once. I just, it irritated me. You know, it's one of those films where, you know, you've got films which I hate because they're just dull and they're boring, but, you know, they're inoffensive. And then you've got films like this, which are just so loud and obnoxious and in your face. And you're just like, oh, get get, get away, get away from me. So um, I just had an awful experience with it. The, the only good thing about the experience was there was a guy sat two rows <laughs> behind me. And I thought he might have been you at one point because, like, he was just letting out these, like, loudest sighs of, like, disdain for this film he just kept going and I kept turning around and he kept like shaking his head and I was like I was like I'm here with you man I'm like I'm, I'm right here with you you know we're going through that experience together so at least I didn't suffer alone but yes that is uh the worst film I've seen so far in 2022 the Nan movie well actually speaking of the Nan movie I have some get behind the scenes tea if you would like Ooh. to sip the tea with me. Um, so please I know do. one of the, please, I know. I, I, it's, I Like I said, you know, the, the, the studio really struck where the iron's hot with this one, didn't they? <laughs> I mean, 15 <laughs> years later. Um, but um, one of the cast members I know very well, I'm not going to mention his name on this podcast because I, I, maybe he'll be embarrassed, I'm not sure. But he is um, a, a relative of mine's partner. And he shot this film. They shot this film before COVID. Okay. Right. Okay. So they shot this film before COVID. It had a director. Okay. Then that said director was fired. Ooh, um, because okay. the studio did not like the vision. She wanted to base it a lot on the relationship with Catherine Tate and her sister. She wanted to make it more of like a drama, more emotional. Um, the studio was like, we don't want it. So they got rid of her. And then they asked some of the cast to come back and reshoot scenes post-COVID. It was like, I think a year or two ago now. And obviously, and I think what happened was they genuinely ran out of money. Um, and so all those little sequences you have of them, like, you know, hand-drawn um, pictures of like the Nan and, you know, all these key stage three art stuff that should not be in there. Um, mm. That was put in there because they ran out of money. So, um, right. Got yeah, you. I, I, I kind of think the backstory is more interesting than the actual film, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Really? And that makes a lot of sense. And I'm glad yeah. you said that because yesterday I was doing my research, leaving it last minute as, yeah, as, as per usual. And I went on IMDb and, you know, was getting like credits and things like that there. 
And I noticed on the IMDb page, it doesn't have a listed director at all credited on the IMDb page. So I Googled the director of the Nan movie and it came up with Josie Rourke, who is the director of uh, Mary Queen of Scots, that beautiful, incredible film. uh, Sasha Ronan and um, Margot Robbie. And I was like, really? She did not direct the Nan movie. And then, as you said, it says she's uncredited for the film. So that makes a lot of sense. And maybe if she'd been still involved, perhaps it could have been a far better film. But yeah, that, wow. I love the tea. That That is some tasty tea right there, Dan. So Dan, what is your worst film of 2022 so far? Well, um, I've got no Mary Queen of Scots director behind mine, unfortunately. <laughs> but interesting enough, this same director directed another film, I think a year or two ago, during 2020. And I think you went to see it, but I'm, I didn't go see it. So my worst film of the year so far, and this is going to be an interesting one to talk about, is Firestarter. <laughs> okay yes. okay i see you yeah. i see you okay. I, you see me boy you see me okay. um so no so i've got no nans in this one uh, but no. we do have um an incredibly aggressive young girl who can you know burn people to death so i mean the pain is the same level isn't it really between <laughs> the two i think i'd rather be burnt to death than watch the nan movie so fair enough this is directed by keith thomas who directed a film called The Vigil, which I think yes. you went to see. Yeah, love yeah. The Vigil, love it. Yeah, so critical acclaim. I know it was had a good word of mouth. It came out, I think, during that summer of 2020 where nobody was going to the cinema. But yeah, I heard really good things about it. Um, this is a remake of the Steve Stephen King film from back in the day with Drew Barrymore, kind of as a little child actor, yeah. made her famous yeah. before Scream. So this is a remake now um, starring Zac Efron, uh, who was at a weird stage in his life, I think, Zac, where... He's over 30 now, so he can't go back to High School Musical anymore. But I do feel like, you know, he's obviously, I think, 32, 33. He's got these dad roles now, and I don't know how I feel about it because I don't see him as a father. Like, I don't think he's old enough to have this age of a daughter. Um, I mean, teenage pregnancy, who knows? But, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, fair enough. So, um, Zac Efron plays Andy McGee. Uh, and you've got Sydney Lemon who plays Vicky McGee. They are parents to Charlie McGee, played by Ryan Keir Armstrong. If you don't know that child actress, she was in Black Widow. And when they are younger, um, as Zac Efron and Vicky, um, Sydney's character, um, they are involved in an experimental drug trial, which leaves them having these kind of superhuman powers. They pass that on to um, their daughter, Charlie. Uh, she has this uncontrollable power where every time she gets angry, she just, um, you know, burns people alive. She exhibits this kind of fire-like force on people. And basically, uh, you have the US government um, track trying to track her down. They want to kidnap her and capture her. And so we have Zac Efron's character and her daughter, Charlie, on the run, um, trying to escape from the US government um, and all their sinister plans. Here's a clip. Surrender. Charlie? Daddy. No one gets hurt. Let her go. Do you feel that? Let her go or it's gonna get a lot worse. Where's mommy? She has no aim without sight if she's like the rest of us. Where's my wife? Where's mommy? Oh, my God. 
that was a clip there from Firestarter. Joe, I know you've seen this and uh, I know you, I think, quite enjoyed it or at least thought it was okay. I went into this and I went to see it with my cousin Tom and I turned to him before. I'd seen, read the reviews and they were not good at all. And I said, you know what? I said, I think this is going to be okay. I think I'm actually going to really like this because um, I've never seen the original. Um, the trailer looked pretty good. It's from Blumhouse, who I, it's a studio I respect a lot. And I think you've got some good talent here. I, I like Zac Efron. I think he's done some interesting roles in the past. Good to see him kind of taking on a, an older role in this. But I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely struggled with this so much. I just thought it was the most dullest and most lifeless horror, horror film, in a way, um, I've seen for a very, very long time. Keith Thomas, I mean, I'd love to see the visual and I really want to because I know he's talented. I know he has these really um, original ideas, but I, it is a case with this where I felt like the studio just didn't give him any kind of material to work with at all. He's not allowed to take any risks. It just feels like an absolute carbon copy of the original. In fact, the the credit scene at the start, I think they borrow clips from the original film. So from the get-go, I was a bit like, they're not really trying to establish anything new here. That's fine. But then at <laughs> certain points in the film, they are trying to. So it was very, very strange for me. I thought it was such a dull film from start to finish. Um, I was just begging for it to, to end. And the film is only 90 minutes. It's not particularly long or anything like that. But I was just absolutely bored to, to tears. I think Zac Efron... Um, his whole thing in the film is whenever he kind of exerts his powers, his eyes start to bleed. My eyes were bleeding too, Zach, watching this. I'll tell you what, son. <laughs> they really were. They really were. I was like, I feel for you, mate. I feel for you. So all the way through, we have them on the run. There are characters who are killed off, um, who are introduced to us and then just killed off. And the other characters don't really care. Um, so the daughter, I'm not going to spoil it, but someone close to her dies, barely cares. <laughs> however, however, a dog dies and she's crying her blimmin' eyes out. She's like, oh, God, the dog. I was like, oh, really? So it, they, it was so really ridiculous to me. I thought the dialogue was just absolutely awful. I mean, you have this kind of US government scheme going on where the, the, the head of the US government's trying to basically cover it all up and track her down. And it's just, it's just so terrible. It really is so generic and, and just really funny at times. There are genuine scenes where I was laughing my head off. And then, yeah, in terms of the plot, I mean, it just kind of doesn't go anywhere, really. I mean, they they go to this man's house and he, he takes them in a refuge. And then we find out his wife died in a car accident and it has nothing to do with the plot. And then they kind of go from that house and they have to go somewhere else. And then it ends up, the last 15, 20 minutes of it is in this kind of laboratory where they're keeping um, all these kind of superhuman, you know, uh, superhuman powers. And she kind of just lets rip in that scene and she kind of just burns people alive and you know, she really goes for it. You know, there's some really kind of disturbing scenes where, you know, people are being burnt alive and their skin's all crispy and cringly. I felt like saying, oh, I fancy a KFC after this, but not really anymore. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, it just comes too late. And I, I felt like just saying, oh my gosh, if the film had that kind of energy and that kind of disturbing nature to it, this, you know, if it really pushed its rating, we even made it like a, an 18 um, and really made it super gory and super like violent, then that at least something that will grip me. But I feel like the film was so tame up until that point. It's so safe. It doesn't take any liberties or risks at all. I just thought it was absolutely dull. I mean, will it be my worst of the year come the end of the year? I don't know. And like I said, I think, you know, there have been a lot of rubbish on streaming, but I think with, you know, the fact that it's got a theatrical release and with the cast that it's got and the director that it has, the talent there, it's all there. 
but unfortunately it just was executed terribly and yeah I I just I was absolutely shocked afterwards I was just like what did I just watch I felt like I was in the twilight zone or something I was like (laughs) what's going on um so yeah not for me not my not my cup of tea worst of the year but I I know you may disagree well I I'm sort of impassive to it either way I mean I I thought it was fine um it's one of those films where it sort of I'm a big fan of Stephen King anyway you know that so I'm I'm a fan of the source material and 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 the original film and any Stephen King on the big screen I'm gonna have a certain sort of leniency towards and I just thought it was I thought it was fine it sort of reminded me of a short story like I said it's it's 90 minutes and for me the time passed relatively quickly you're right there's nothing much to it um you know there's nothing much of any substance in it but I thought the story was entertaining enough to just keep me engaged at least for the the 90 minutes that um I was sat in the cinema so you know I I know the reviews have been terrible you're not the first to say it and you know I can totally appreciate what you're saying but yeah I I thought it was okay to be honest I've already forgotten about it. So, you know, maybe that says something. But yeah, I thought it was fine. Fair dues, fair dues. Okay. Well, there we are. At least your eyes didn't bleed like mine. So there we go. No, no. (laughs) Right. So that is our worst. Shall we move on to our best? Let's um, of the move year? on to the good stuff. Thank goodness. The the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, cleanse cleanse our palate. Um, so shall I go first on this one? Or... Yeah, if you like. Yeah, go yeah. on. I'm 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 so excited um, I, to hear yours. So um, I'm, mine is going to be quick uh, because we we've already discussed this film in a previous episode. Um, but and this is a film that has been unchanging for me. Um, or since I saw it, I, nothing's really come close. I think there's been a few films that have come close. But my favorite film of the year so far, my best of 2022, is the Batman. I'm not going to go too much into it because you've discussed it before. I absolutely adored it. It is, I'd say, my favourite um, iteration of Batman um, to date, even considering the Christopher Nolan films, just because, like I said in my review on the show, um, what Matt Reeves has done, it, he's taken something that is dark, darker, grittier, has those kind of crime noir detective influences to it, which I absolutely adore. And I think at, at the heart and soul of this, it does feel like Batman meets Seven meets, um, you know, yeah, Batman meets Seven meets Zodiac. It, it has that feel to it. But at the heart of it, you have this cat and mouse um, game between Batman and the Riddler, played by Paul Dando, who is just absolutely terrifying. He is really disturbing. And I think he does an incredible job here. The cast are fantastic. 
the set pieces are executed brilliantly. Um, and what I love is that they serve their purpose. They're not just there as eye candy. Some are explosive, some are disturbing. And yeah, just my heart was pounding in so many of those set pieces. And more than that, I think the highlight for me was the sound design and the score. Just absolutely exhilarating. I mean, if if you didn't get to go ch- um, to watch it in the theatre, I mean, I'm, they, maybe they'll bring it back. I don't know. But I really hope you went to see it in like an IMAX or a super screen because... Just having that surround sound, oh, it was just like, it shakes your seat and it just made my heart beat so fast. That is excellent. And I think what I respect the most about this um, take on Batman is that it's not concerned about being a franchise. It's not concerned about having multiple spin-offs, even though there are rumours at the minute that there is going to be a sequel and Robert Pattinson is going to return. Um, for me, it felt like an individual property. It didn't feel like it was trying to pass on the baton, although there is that post-credit scene at the end, obviously, um, which I was a bit like, oh, do they have to do that? But yeah, I, I loved the tone, the style of it, how dark and gritty it was as a Batman film. I think it's a really faithful adaption of Gotham City and kind of how it how you know if if the comic book creators were to put it on screen I do feel like it's incredibly loyal to that so yeah I absolutely loved it I know you didn't quite love it uh, and, I, and we've discussed it I know on the show which is why I'm rushing over it but yeah I really really adored this I think it's going to take some beating for it not to be my favorite film of the year so yeah wow it. okay brilliant well I love your conviction in, in your love for it like I said Thank I you. enjoyed it it is in my top 10 um it's certainly up there probably not you know it's probably lower side of the tens uh closer to the 10 than than higher up um but I I, I totally agree I think you know stylistically very different um to the Nolan films Love the sort of serial killer, cat and mouse aspect of it. For me, I disagree in the sense, in a way that, you know, um, you know, that it's not interesting in franchise. Obviously, they have announced their Arkham Asylum spin-off and, you know, there are certain aspects. I'm still not going to spoil it for people, but there was one particular moment where I was like, again, you're trying to set up something which we have seen before. Um, I it might surprise me. I mean, I might grow to appreciate it more with multiple watches. And I think it all depends on how the next sort of film and, and the film after that, because I'm, I'm assuming it will be a trilogy, um, end up uh, tuning out. But I'm excited to revisit it. So, you know, even though it's not up there for me, still very excited to rewatch it and um, show it to Hannah as well. So, yeah, but... Um, I love your conviction because this year I've struggled with mine. I've really, oh, fair really struggled. It's sort of gone like three films I've got at the top, which is sort of always sort of jumping over each other. Um, mm. And I've been going back and forth, back and forth, trying to make a decision. And then, yes, I was like, I just need to decide. I just need to decide on, on uh, a choice. Um, so it is very open to change uh, by the end of the year. But currently, my favourite film of 2022 is The Phantom of the Open. Hey! Phantom <laughs> of the Open. Uh, which again, hold in one, hold in one. <laughs> <laughs> which again, I won't go into great detail about because we have discussed it on the show. We've had Craig Roberts uh, join us to discuss it. It's sort of been... a three-way tie between that the northman and everything everywhere all at once um for me but the reason why the phantom of the open sort of um takes it over those two currently is that i think long term i think it's got the the you know it's going to go the distance 
whereas the Northmen and everything everywhere all at once have their unique properties and I, I love them for, for various different reasons. I can see The Phantom of the Open being a film which is going to be discussed and pleasing new audiences for years to come. I can see it being on ITV2 on a Sunday afternoon, families going, you know, new new families watching it for the first time and absolutely loving it. Just a brief description of the story. Obviously, it tells the story, a uh, true story of Morris Flickcroft, uh, a dreamer and hopeless optimist who gained entry into the British Open in the 1970s. We've come outside to the studio car park to meet the man who shot a world record 121 at the British Open. He is the world's worst professional golfer. No, sorry, I don't, I don't agree with that. I'm not the world's worst golfer and I'm willing to prove it. Okay, great. So we have set up a little golf course here in the car park. Yeah, it's not, it's not a golf course, it's a putting green. Great. It's exciting, isn't it? Oh, now that was close. That was just a practice shot, you know, and get the pace to the green. Yes, well, it, it has been raining out here, so uh, so it could be a little bit damp, couldn't it? Oh, now, you feel that you should be let back into the Open, is that right? Yes, an Open Championship, you know, should be open to everyone, uh, like the FA Cup, you know, give the, give the little teams a chance. Oh, now, bad luck. Uh, I think this ground is, is sloping. Well, uh, everybody does say that this car park is a bit lopsided, so... <laughs> well, I think I'd best hand back to the studio. Thank you to the fantastic Maurice Flickcroft, the world's worst golfer. No, I'm not the world's worst golfer. I don't agree with that. The film does have that feel-good energy about it, a positiveness to it, which just oozes from the film to the point where it's really difficult not to fall in love with it you know it sort of reminded me of Paddington 2 in a way how you know everyone has that conversation now about how it's a perfect movie um just because of its kind-heartedness and it's got that balance of humor and drama as well you know with this you've got the, you know incredible performances from uh, Mark Ryland, Sally Hawkins in the central roles but Craig Roberts is really the star of this you know he brings a, a dreamlike quality to Morris's flights of fancy. Um, you know, when he came on the show, he said he wanted to sort of, you know, make references to Superman and everything like that, you know, and he sees uh, Morris's uh, optimism a as a superpower. And I love that. I love, you know, it's, it, it's got that like visual style to it, which I love. And it's got a texture to it as well. The story is slight, yes. It doesn't have incredible action sequences like Top Gun Maverick, and it doesn't reinvent the wheel like everything everywhere all at once. Um, but you don't really need to when you've got a script which is as tight as this. Of all the experiences I've had this year, watching that, I mean, I had COVID at the time, but watching it, you know, I laughed so hard. It really moved me. I loved the stuff about him being a stepfather and you know, about the relationship between him and the family. And I can just see myself revisiting it time and time again, 10 years, 20 years from now on with my children or whatever, and still getting a kick out of it and still really, really enjoying it. So as I said, you know, 
it's been a really close race, but at this moment, uh, Phantom of the Open is my favourite film of 2022. It'll be interesting to see if that changes um, by the end of the year after some rewatches. But um, yeah, at the moment, um, that would be my favourite. Oh, Papa Joe, you're making me cry. <laughs> well, it, it has to be. If you're going to be like, I'm going to show it to my children and my great-grandchildren <laughs> for years to come, and then go, oh, actually, no, I, I, it's, it's number four now. I'm going to put it... <laughs> but, this is, but this is where the omissions come in, because I think it is definitely worth saying, and we will read out um, you know, our yeah. listeners' comments um, towards the end of the show, but yeah. there are a few omissions, uh, films like The Worst Person in the World, there's a film on Netflix at the moment as well, like a Bollywood film, um, Triple R or RRR or whatever. Mm. Um, um, uh. And everybody's like raving about that. I haven't seen that yet either. So there are omissions in my viewing for this year. Haven't even seen Elvis yet. So, you know, things might change. Any one of those films or a film between now and the end of the year could definitely, you know, come out of nowhere and, and top it. But yeah, I, I think it will take a lot. I think it will take a lot. Yeah, and thank you, Evan, for getting in touch with us. We will read those out at the end of the show. I know um, everyone's got uh, a lot of opinions on which is their favourite of the year, which is their least favourite. Should we move on now to our final category of issues? We've we've looked at our best, we've looked at our worst. Now we're going to look at our hidden gems. So this has been a film that we have found has been underappreciated, underrated. Maybe it's underperformed at the box office. So who wants to go first? Do you want to go first, Joe, or shall I? I'll go first. You, you go like. first? Yeah, okay. okay. Can I just do something? Sorry. Go on. Can I? I'm just. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna write what you. What I think it is on a piece of paper. Is that all right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, I'm not. Go I'm not it. gonna. I'm not gonna show you. Oh, where's the piece of paper? Uh, I'm not gonna show you until you say it, and then I'll show it. Okay. 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 So we're. So we're doing like, um, Darren Brown type level. Yeah. Of, of stuff, like magic tricks. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I can read your mind. Ready? Okay. 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 You carry we'll on. See. You carry okay. on. So um, this is an underrated gem of mine, uh, which I saw a couple of months back, um, went into the cinema, knew nothing about it whatsoever, really, and ended up having an absolute blast with it. This is Ty West's X. Oh, no! I what put did you Moon, put? Moonfall! <laughs> Oh, I was the, so uh, Brown, oh. Oh, mate, you've got you've got ways to go, yeah, for your psychic abilities. This yeah. is X, a film which I saw a couple of months back, which just absolutely blew me away. Like I, I haven't stopped like thinking about it. And even though it's not, you know, in my top five, it's definitely in my top 10. And it's probably one of the the, the most like excited for a rewatch. Um, of all the films I've seen uh, this year. Um, it's a slasher horror film written and directed by Ty West, set in 1979 as a group of young filmmakers set out to make an adult film at a house in Texas. Uh, good idea. Um, <laughs> things start to take a turn, though, when the reclusive owners of the property catch them in the act, uh, which leads to our cast of characters um, on a battle for survival. I've seen you sneaking a few long peeks at Jackson over here. No, I, I wasn't okay. looking. You don't mind none. She's right. I don't mind. No offense. Everybody likes sex. It's a gas. We're just not afraid to admit it. 
queer, straight, black, white. It's all disco. You know why? Because one day, we're gonna be too old to f And life's too short, if you ask me. Why do that? The fact of the truth of the matter is, we turn folks on. And that scares them. And they can't look away, neither. That's right. We're like a foxy car wreck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So plain and simple, as I said, this film was just an absolute blast in the cinema. Um, had no idea what to expect going in, and it just kept me on my toes the whole time. I really loved the way that it just builds on the tension and plays with your expectations. And I think West has really, truly crafted a slasher quite unlike one I've seen in, in a long, long time. Uh, it's terrifying. It's brutal. It's edge of your seat stuff and very different um, to, to any other sort of slasher I've seen. Uh, gross. And um, yeah, I just loved it. And I feel like it wasn't talked about enough at the beginning of the year and certainly didn't make the kind of money that it should have. So that's my hidden gem. X, I'm sure it's probably on VOD already or due to be on VOD shortly. Check it out. No moonfall, no moonfall. Sorry, Dan. Uh, Sorry, I, 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 my, my pick now is going to sound like a real, <laughs> real. You can just <laughs> laugh at it. I was so certain. Uh, I was like, we went to see that together, and you really yeah, liked it. Yeah, I, I love moonfall. I love. Uh, yeah, and you were, you were like, oh, that's brilliant. I thought, oh, that you, that's absolutely good. It's what it's going to be. And it, obviously, yeah. I know moonfall hasn't hasn't done well domestically, and it hasn't done very well with the critics. So I'm surprised. But yeah, no, I I totally get. What you see, I loved X. I really did. I thought it was terrifying and really nasty as well. And it's an 18. Yes. I, yeah, I thought yes. it was great. Um, I think it has been critically acclaimed, doesn't it? I think a lot of people critics love it. But you're right. I think box office wise, it hasn't done amazing. But it's it's not going to, is it really? But yeah. Yeah. No. So anyway, what is your hidden gem? Here we go. Okay, so before I talk about it, let's just establish and define hidden gem. Okay, so <laughs> I don't, I don't love this film. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not. It's not like X, where I'm like, oh, I absolutely loved it. Critics don't love this film at all. Okay. I don't think even audiences love this film. Right. I chose this because it came out at the start of the year. Okay. Um, I wasn't super excited to watch it. It'd been delayed for ages. And I remember going to watch it, and I remember hearing such bad rap about it, such bad reviews. And I, I thought, it's a film that I'm really not going to like just because of the source material and what it's trying to do. And the, and the cast didn't really blow me away. And I went to watch it, and I really had a lot of fun with it. And I said, this is a really solid action thriller that I feel like, I don't know whether people are, are over it, it's kind of a bit generic, but... Anyway, my hidden gem this year is the free 355. Come on, let's go. Oh, no, I'm not going with you. I'm going home. But we can't do this without your fingerprints. That is not my problem. Oh, it is if you want to keep them attached to your body. I'm sorry. I have a family. I'm not an agent. I'm a therapist. And this is really not for me. All right, Graziella, we're the only ones who can prevent that from happening. Sorry. Okay, how about this? Those same guys are out there right now looking for you. You go home, you bring them with you. Graciela, we really need your help. But more importantly, you need ours. The three, five, five. five. Yeah, oh, I mean, wow. you, can you remember it now? I bet it's been stuck oh. in your head all year, isn't it? 
it has, but for the wrong reasons. Oh, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. See, this is why I thought we could do Moonfall. It's going to be really fun. We could rip into each other, but there we are. Um, yeah, obviously, first off to say, it, it was been a box office failure, right? So it has a budget of $75 million. It has grossed totally worldwide $27 million. So it has done absolutely awful, despite okay. the fact that it's been delayed for over a year. Universal kept delaying it. For those of you who don't know, um, the 355 is directed by Simon Kinberg, um, who's done a couple of other different action films as well. And this stars Jessica Chastain. She's also an ex- executive producer of the film as well. Um, she is um, uh, working for the CIA, and she basically has to join forces with a few different women from different agencies. So she has to team up um, with a woman from the um, MI6. So that's Lupita Nyong'o character. She has to team up with Penelope Cruz, who is a psychiatrist. Just team up, team up um, as well with um, Diane Kruger, who works for the German intelligence office. And these women basically have a mission um, to stop a top secret weapon falling into mercenary hands. It all sounds um, very, very generic, and it is. And I, I you know, I'm going to say right now that three five five does absolutely nothing really um, inventive or original per se. I felt like what it was doing, it did very well. Um, I think it's a really solidly um, executed film. Some really nice set pieces in there and action sequences. It's, so there's a lot of globe trotting. There's a lot of diff- going to different countries. And I, in particular, I think there's some really few effective scenes here. And Lupita Nyong'o, I thought, was really great in it. I thought, you know, despite the fact that the characters aren't written brilliantly, I thought she was really excellent in it. And it, it's just one of those films that I think maybe in a few years ago it would have done better. Uh, maybe a people are over this kind of all-female cast but it is tying into that kind of Jason Bourne, Mission Impossible market. And I, I'm not saying it's any, anywhere near those films, but I just thought it, it was harmless. I thought it was fine. And I don't understand why so many people were dead against it and really hated it. Um, and like I said, it is it is two hours um, and it is paced. I, I thought it was paced very well. And like I said, I think there's a good bit of um, action, action in there. Nice set pieces. I really liked it. I remember walking out and thinking that was, that was, fine that was good um, and it's not going to be in my top 10 um, it's not going to be something I'm going to be raving about at the end of the year but I remember thinking you know why why do people have such a grievance against it why are people so against it um, when it is I think a, a very solidly made film so yeah I really enjoyed it I will just point out though the funniest thing of when I went to watch this I went to watch it and first off nobody in the cinema three guys came in right who I think were planning on seeing No Way Home right okay um, came in and was like, I don't think they realised what it was about at all. I think they turned up to the box of the counter and was like, oh, sorry, guys, no way home sold out all night. And they were like, oh, <laughs> what's this 355? So, oh, it's an action film. Oh, great, great. So the moment they like found out it was all women cast, they were like, oh, like this. <laughs> I, and I think they all fell asleep. Um, so <laughs> brilliant. I mean, absolutely brilliant. brilliant. Yeah, that added to my experience. But um, yeah, so my hidden gem is the three five five. I know people are not going to like it. Um, I know it's not not done very well. But I don't know. I think in a, give it a year or two, you'll go onto streaming. You'll go onto PVOD, and who knows? I, I I think I think it's a really decent watch, and I feel yeah. like it's been very very hated on for no reason. And I actually think it would have done a lot better if it had gone to streaming. I think if it had been a Netflix uh, production, I think maybe people would have um, reacted to it differently. I mean, I certainly didn't hate it. Um, I I didn't enjoy it. Um, And I think for that reason alone, 
I think I certainly would have maybe found a lot more to enjoy had it been a Netflix Saturday night watching it at home on the telly. Um, but as a cinematic experience, I certainly found it slightly disappointing. But who knows? It might find an audience and we'll get the three, five, six um, you know, in two years' time. Who knows? Absolutely. Okay, so before we finish, um, lots of you on Twitter got in touch with us to let us know your favourite and least favourite films of the year so far. Shall I start, Joe? Yeah, you can start. Brilliant. So um, this is from at Barton Reviews, Josh Barton. So his top five are Everything Everywhere All at Once. Nice. Top Top Gun Gun Maverick, The Batman, good man, Josh, Uh, (laughs) The Northman and The Worst Person in the World, which I feel like is... You know, a very solid top five. I feel like that is very people. solid. I'm excited to watch uh, the worst person in the world. I am really excited to watch it. I tried to get it to it uh, before this, but um, hopefully, um, yeah, get to see it before the the end of the year is out. Yeah, and it's and it's bottom five. Cheaper by the dozen. Totally agree. That was horrendous. Um, <laughs> Bra- brazen, which I was like, oh, okay. uh, I quite like brazen. Yeah, I like brazen. He was like cheesy fun. Um, choose or die, which was. <laughs> There's a rat in Mickey. My favorite ever letterbox review from you, Dan. Thank Definitely. you so much. If, if only I got 600 likes like you did. I huh? know, yeah, uh, exactly. Oh, well, we can, I could wish. <laughs> um, the Weekend Away, which I like. Did you see that? I haven't seen The Weekend uh, Away. Yeah. Fair enough. And then a Medea Homecoming. Oh, yes. Gosh. Yes, that is very ropey. Very yeah. ropey. Josh, that was nice. Yeah, well done, Josh. Um, we've also got a good friend, uh, Hamish, has been in touch uh, at Hamish Calvert. Um, his best, again, a lot of the familiar faces showing up. Uh, Top Gun, um, The Batman, Flea, again, an omission um, which I haven't seen so far. Um, obviously, was um, up for a lot of awards this award season. Uh, so keen to watch that. The Northman, um, which is my top three, and The Phantom of the Open, good man, Hamish. Uh, his worst, again, top man. The Nan movie is in there. Uh, the Weekend Away, again, showing up in the worst. Uh, from Below, um, Choose or Die, and Ambulance, which I have to say, I, I really oh. enjoyed Ambulance for what it was. Yeah. I quite liked it. So, But yeah, some, some sterling choices as usual there, Hamish. Yeah, absolutely. We've got one here at Q and Townend. What about the Twinkie? Thank you for getting in touch. So um, he has said, my current top five are Top Gun Maverick, Mass, which I've not seen, but you've seen That's good. You? Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Scream, good man. Um, Doctor Strange 2 and Ambulance. So complete opposite to Hamish there. Got, got yeah. the Ambulance in his best, which is nice. Um, he Doctor also, but... Strange 2 getting some love. Absolutely. Bottom five, and this one cuts deep. Death on the Nile, which I feel like, come on now. <laughs> that, that is the most memeable film of the year. Absolutely. Um, the, right- the Righteous, which I've not seen. Morbius, fair game. Nightmare Alley. <laughs> I knew you would not be happy with that one. I knew you would not be happy. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Top five for me, that is. And... Yeah, uh, and he put the King's Man, which was last year. So there we are. Yeah, yeah, but he but also then, put here, I cannot, 
I cannot tell you how much I detested everything everywhere all at once. That's mad, isn't it? Very controversial, you know, across yeah. the board. I mean, um, a lot, I saw a video the other day with Jodie Foster and like a lot of the Academy members are big fans of that movie. So I think, sorry, uh, what about the Twinkie? I think you're going to see a lot of um, everything everywhere all at once in next year's uh, awards ceremonies yeah. and then last but by no means least is our girl rachel rachel's reviews um who's said that her best were hit the road which i've not seen uh triple r again which i mentioned earlier on on netflix currently uh, top gun maverick which is uh, a recurring theme and apollo 10 and a half which I watched half of because I, I got a bit um, bored of. Um, so, enough. yes. But um, thank, thank you, everyone, for getting in touch with all your opinions um, and views. And it'd be interesting to see, as you always say, Dan, how this changes now within the next couple of months. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you so much for getting in touch. Um, before we finish, Joe, is there, is there one film you're looking forward to in the next six months of 2022, maybe this summer, maybe further on? Um, for me, I think I'd have to probably say Avatar too. I'm really, really excited for. Um, I know, I know it's in December. I know it's a while, you know, a while away, but I am really excited for that. Yeah, Avatar two, I think is going to do really well, and I think it's going to do far better than people uh, give it credit for. Um, Dan, there's only one film I'm excited for, me. Oh, of course, Fisherman's Friends too. <laughs> There once was a man that went to sea. His name was a ship. Da, 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 da. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> there you I, go. I, grab some fish. Grab some yeah, fish. absolutely <laughs> buzzing for Fisherman's Friends oh. too. Um, just absolutely uh, love it. It's just going to be great bands. Like we're going to have an absolute ball with it, aren't we? We're just going to laugh our heads off. May I've I've already planned the day. So the film has been released. <laughs> the film is August, right? And yeah. even if it's even if it's boiling hot, I don't care. We've got to come in in our woolly turtlenecks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And our, yeah, and I and our yellow raincoats, and we've got to come in with some like um, toy fish and be like, "Hey, oh, the fisherman's <laughs> life for me." Please, it has to happen. It has to happen. It's a date, and we'll put put pictures on Twitter. One hundred percent. Oh, absolutely. Cannot wait. I bet they can't <laughs> wait for that. You lucky lot. Thank you so much again, Joe. It's always been a pleasure. I love doing these shows with you. Oh, thank you very much, Dan. I love doing them uh, with you as well. And, you know, we need to meet up in person soon. You know, it's been too long, buddy, too long. Absolutely, absolutely, mate. Pop it in a diary. Right, and uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, please get in touch with us. You can contact us on Twitter. We're at Twitter, at DJ Film Show. That's at DJ Film Show. We're also on Instagram, at DJ Film Show. And you can also catch us on Facebook under the Dan and Joe Film Show. Let us know all about your um, best picks of the year so far. Um, and don't forget, you can also listen to all of our old shows. We are on Mixcloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you all very, very soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>